Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. All right, today I have the great pleasure of introducing Matthew Crawford. Now, Matthew Crawford, he's got a very uh, diverse background. He's done a lot of things in his life, um, whether it be making money in the stock market, which takes a lot of being able to analyze patterns is probably the most important skill that you're bringing to the table with what we're going to be talking about today. Begin diving into what you want to discuss today, Matthew. Uh, thanks, Sam. Um, yeah, I'm... Um... I took a little time off from being a numbers guy. Um, I was doing some cryptocurrency trading and building a, an education company. Um, those are uh, those have been my two uh, vocational um, pursuits uh, during my adult life. And uh, during the pandemic, I saw a lot that was going on. Um, so I dropped everything and started doing research. But uh, this is maybe the most serious project. Um, Dr. Um, Robert Malone called me in February and said, hey, can you take a look at the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database information um, to see, you know, what this argument between, um, you know, three of you uh, whistleblowers uh, from the Senator Johnson hearing and the uh, DOD, which came back and said, well, there's a glitch. There's nothing to see here. It's all fine. So, um, so I jumped in and, and started taking a look at the data, and we'll we'll talk about what we found. Okay, so I'll pull up the slide. I'll have it here available for everyone else to see. Um, but let's go ahead and go through this, uh, what you call slide 26. Okay, so this is the easiest slide to sort of see what happened. Um, the it turns out and and we didn't know this when we started uh, the project um, when I say we uh, I had uh, two two others on my data team that I brought in um, we didn't know what we were looking for yeah you know, I started analyzing queries but we wanted reference data we wanted to know what do rates of illness really look like historically so we looked for reference data and what we found is that the uh, DMED has published snapshots that are publicly available online every year. And these are found in what's called the Medical Surveillance Monthly Reports at health.mil. And we found these and we started um, you know, putting all the data in spreadsheets. And at first we weren't even looking at, at page two at first, that's where these graphs are from. We just noticed you know, that once we had all the information in, in uh, spreadsheets that some numbers didn't match up. And once once somebody on my data team pointed out that some numbers that should have matched up, like the published 2016 numbers were published in 2019, they were published in 2021, they should look pretty much the same, but they didn't look anything alike. So I went through every single major diagnostic category. I could see, oh gosh, you know, these are all different. And not only are they all different, they're different for 2016 through 2019 is what it looks like. And then um, historically that, that difference had never had never taken place like going from one snapshot to another the numbers pretty much always look the same and anytime you would have a change in a database you would have some sort of documentation anyway you would have an asterisk and an explanation but for a substantial change like this you would have you know an entire article you know a full complete explanation uh, as to how to read the difference between new and old data so that a researcher using the database would understand 
what took place and how to make sense of the numbers, right? So we can see here in this slide, um, you can just see visually the the health trend, the number of illnesses, injuries was going down from like 2012 through 2018. But then you look over at the second snapshot, the one that appeared in the middle of 2021, and all of a sudden, boop, those numbers are bumped up. So what you're saying here, so what you're saying here is this um, this little box that's around on your graph that's on uh, the main 2019 MS. R, uh, MSMR, that box was data that was published probably in 2020 or 2019. It was data that they had compiled over the previous years, and the boxed area is the 2016 to 2018. And then in the graph right next to it, the May uh, 2021, those numbers should be exactly the same as that graph is showing the exact same time and space. Is that correct? That's right. Those numbers should be the same, and you can see that they are substantially elevated from the position that they were in in previous publication. And this this is a, it should just be a database snapshot. What it tells us is, um, I think sometime right around the middle of 2021, but before this was published, and I think that like the May 2021, it wasn't published exactly in May. There's like a little bit of a lag on the months, I think, to reporting to, um, at least online. So maybe this was by July, but it could have been, you know, this could have been changed anywhere from April to July. Uh, I think that somebody went into the database and just added a whole bunch of records. And the question is why? And I think that that unfortunately, this is not the glitch that they that they did the was it the uh, Politico on um, email interview where they had the back and forth exchange. They made no major political or a major yeah the political fact uh, they made no major um, policy statement or apology or press conference. This is not that. This is something different. This was done under the cover of night. Is that what you're saying? That's right. This was done long before. I think that uh, an enormous amount of the information in the entire database was faked, is what I think. Um, you know, a snapshot like the a change in a snapshot like this should be explained. Um, you know, there should be some publicly given explanation, regardless of any controversy or anything. Um, it, you know, I worked for two years as an actuary before I went and worked in finance, and if if there were a a major database that everybody drew numbers from, like everybody in the industry were drawing numbers from, and there was some giant change that was like 13.5% per diagnostic category. You bet there would be a several dozen page article walking you through why the changes occurred and how to understand them. There is nothing like that. These numbers just bumped up. So I think that um, my, my strong belief is that it was it was understood that these numbers were growing that they were going to show that the vaccines were hurting the troops very quickly. And that uh, somebody decided, okay, we're just going to change these numbers in order to alter the denominator in any comparison. So this would make comparing any baseline. So the baseline is, is so we've gone from showing that normal level of illness is here, and, and now we're going to raise it and say this is normal so that when when we see it go up to to this oh it's only this little difference when really it could be from here all the way up to there because we've changed the denominator changed the baseline right and the key is that the dod is part of the vaccine safety technical 
workforce uh, that, that the CDC runs, or work group, excuse me, uh, the vast work group, the DOD is part of that. And interestingly, the CDC was not publishing the DMED numbers. They weren't publishing the information from this database throughout 2021. And what I think is that the numbers were coming in very bad. We need to FOIA to find that out. But I think the numbers were coming in very bad. They, they decided to bump up the denominator to make it look not bad. And then they get to the middle of 21, uh, 21 they've, they've published the new numbers with the fake database. I'm just going to call it a fake database from here. Part of the numbers are fake. I think the rest of it's real, right? But um, then I think that they had a server migration in August in order to wipe the fingerprints, August of 2021, after this May 2021 MSMR report. So now, now they have a server migration. This also allows them to re-index the database. And here's what I mean by that. Let's say that you're adding a bunch of, yeah, let's say you're adding a bunch of records to a database. Well, you're adding them at the end automatically just by, by the way the database works functionally. So they're adding 2016 through 2020 records at the end. It would be very easy to see in an audit that those were added. But by having a server migration, they get to re-index the, the numbers and all the fake ones get shuffled in to make it harder to detect what were the fake records. Let me let me see if I can explain that to, to the listeners. If you have a book, right, and you have, let's say, page one is the 2016 numbers and then page two is the 2017 numbers, but you need to change, and, and the computer doesn't just look at the book, it look at, looks at everything. So when, when you pull up the data, so what you're saying is it added in pages at the end of the book that that altered the 2016 numbers and then what could have happened is when they migrated we take those pages at the end we stick them back in where they should in the new supposed chronological order and put them in where they maybe should be or shouldn't be if they're not real numbers near 2016 so that it looks like it's a normal book and you don't have these files or these pages added to the end that are supposed to go 2016 when they were clearly added much, much later than 2016, 2017. Is that, is that a good explanation? That's right. And I think that in that process, I do think that there was a glitch introduced. I do think that the, the DOD's claim of a glitch was real. And, um, you know, when, when you think about the art of deception, um, if you can deceive without lying, that's always best, right? I do think that, uh, that somehow some of the records were not um, connecting. Uh, you know, maybe there's some sort of like a, a checkbox, you know, include this record and queries, include this record and queries. Maybe some of the boxes were accidentally left unchecked. And, and so when the queries were run in January, I, I believe that there was, and it might, it might've even been intentional. It might've even been a trap. But, but the idea, the preface that there is a glitch that entire idea is is faulty because it's a glitch in a faulty system is what you're presenting. It's a glitch in a fake database. You got it right. They created a lot of confusion, I think. So what we brought up, yeah. And so, so what the three of us brought forth is there's a problem. And I think it was clear to see like a thousand percent increase in a disease because us as physicians, we were seeing a huge issue in ill people, right? We're seeing more illness. We're seeing more problems in 
which should be a young, healthy population. We shouldn't see these problems at and all. And it matches information from out in the world, from insurance companies and from uh, other governments. Yeah. So you were looking for you were looking for data to support what you could see. Right, and we found data that the numbers weren't. They seemed a little, little wild. I mean, to to me, because I I don't have this this deeper knowledge that you were and. It took you a good long while, many, 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 many hours to figure all this out. I, I don't have that kind of deep knowledge and understanding of this. It just, on the surface level, something is wrong, and it needs to be brought to attention quickly before we hurt more people. That's um, that's my perspective as, you know, not speaking for all whistleblowers, but that, that's my perspective. And then we were blessed to have someone like you who, who has this ability to kind of connect these different dots and understand how computer systems work. And, and the idea to look back in history for pre-published data that can't be changed. I think that that's an important piece of this and keystone to this entire thing. Right. And, and it was very fortunate for us that the, that the past data was available in a public format if, if it hadn't been, this would have been a real tough puzzle to solve. And, um, yeah, and if this is, if this does turn out to be a crime, which, you know, I feel 99% certain that it is, um, they would have gotten away with it without, you know, the, the public, uh, snapshot. So, yeah, it, it, it will be a win for government transparency if this turns out to be the case. Well, and one thing that I've always kind of said in phone call conversations with people is that this information can always be proven. It would be an absolute bear to try and go through all this information because all of these little points, there's this line and, and everything on it represents a real person. And if we had the ability, and I don't know how this is possible, to go through the medical record and re pull all that data, you know, just get all that data again from an independent uh, person, not, not from the company that was hired to do this, because we're looking at PDFs that I think, I could be wrong on this, I think would be difficult to change PDFs if they're loaded into a system. Uh, you may be able to speak to that otherwise. But if we can pull the actual data again, then we can confirm, which would either exonerate the government or indict them. Right. Uh, some sort of a, a, a legal action needs to take place to force them to show what the database looked like, um, you know, uh, figure out where it was that the numbers changed, pinpoint it, see what the records, uh, those new records look like. Uh, we should find out if there are any memos that discuss changing the numbers in the database and what people are talking about when that takes place. Because if there is any discussion, you know, in, uh, amongst the people handling the database or with the CDC, uh, if there's any discussion about hiding vaccine injury and illness, uh, and I think that we're going to find that. I think that if, if we get that information, I think it's going to be clear. One of the reasons I think that too is, uh, by the way, uh, do, are you showing that slide um, 26? Is that something that you want to bring up now? Um, there, there's another, you know, really interesting point within the data. And um, and that is that uh, if, if you go to slide 30, yeah, I've got, uh, and this one's a little bit hard for people without, you know, easy data knowledge to read. You kind of have to walk through and understand what the bars mean. But uh, basically, the gray bar uh, represents the numbers as originally reported in the MSMR. 
the red are the new reports. So you can see that the red numbers are bumped up, right? 2016, 2018, and 2020 numbers are higher. Um, well, 2020 didn't have a gray bar, but uh, 2016 and 2018 numbers were bumped up. But the blue bars represent the queries post glitch fix. So this is what the queries look like as of February 2022. And you can see that the blue bars match the red bars on the right, but they don't on the left. There are about 20 major diagnostic categories. They match for 19 of them. Why not the other one? And what is this other one? Well, this one category where the current queries do not match the last database snapshot, these are the R codes, signs, symptoms, and ill-defined conditions and inconclusive laboratory results. What does this tell you? These are where doctors didn't know, I would assume. This is where doctors don't know the source, the etiology of the illness. They're confused by it. Which, you know, why would... Yeah, and... If it's a smart doctor, he'll say he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it is one of the major diagnostic categories, so it, it happens frequently. Um, but what you can see is, not only were the, were the numbers bumped up for the MSMR, they were bumped up a second time dramatically, 46.5%, nearly 50%, somewhere between the, the mid-2021 snapshot and February of 2022, somebody added a tremendous number of records to the 2016 through 2020 data. Changing that baseline again. This, this graph that we're looking at right now, the signs, symptoms, and ill-defined conditions, this is the one where the DOD claimed there was a glitch. Is that oh, they claimed that there was, there was a glitch over everything. The, um, they didn't make a specific claim about the R codes. Um, the R codes just happened to be different insofar as um, the current query numbers uh, no longer match the last MSMR. At, you know, after they said they changed the glitch, um, this is why I think there was a glitch, because the query numbers started to look exactly like the last database snapshot. Yeah, those red and, and uh, gray bars are not too dissimilar. Right, but it's, and, and the blue are the queries. So the red and the blue now match. Um, like if, if you looked at uh, slide, 20, slide 29, you can see like six different diagnostic categories, and the blue and the red match for each of them. And that's what should happen. The current query should match the last database snapshot. But for one, just one of these diagnostic categories, and if we jump to slide 39 now, Yeah, I've got three different sort of progressions in a graph. The gray are the originally published MSMR numbers for R codes. The red are the newly published, the, the most reliable. Um, well, it, it 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 just let's just say originally published snapshot snapshot of the database, and then the red, the closed triangles are the latest snapshot of the database. And uh, two of those triangles are imputed, but we've got three that are real data points. But then the blue are the current queries. Um, yeah, the, yeah, and the blue are the current queries. So you can see that they, they didn't just bump the numbers up once. They bumped them up again and sculpted the graph, the graph to look more like a trend. 
and I think that this this is this is necessary if like just floods and floods of R codes are coming in because perhaps vaccine injuries are not as easy for the doctors to understand. So you know how is it that you hide hundreds of thousands, like maybe even maybe even a million. This th that's what this looks like is perhaps over a million extra injuries and illnesses that are R codes, ambulatory reports. So it's not it's not that many separate injuries and illnesses. But you know if you have like ten ambulatory reports for one illness, that one million could represent a hundred thousand vaccine injuries. And you know, many of them may be mild, but there are going to be a lot of serious ones in there. A lot of the outside data, even the even the trial data, said 0.7% to 0.8% serious adverse events, which seems ridiculously low, even for the the layperson. Like the sniff test, like that doesn't seem right. It smells like it smells like I just smelled, smelled a bunch of bad stuff. Well, uh, you know, for, for uh, that would be a very high number for any medication for serious adverse events, unless it's like something dangerous like surgery. Um, you know, 0 0.7, 0 0.8% is pretty high for, you know, for a vaccine that's unheard of. But, um, you know, that, that would be a number like 10,000. So 10,000 serious injuries is what you'd expect just from the trial numbers in, in the, in the uh, military. Um, what we see, I, I think that we're seeing tens, if not, you know, maybe even a hundred thousand injuries and illnesses. Some of them may be mild, but it's a large number. And you know, whoever was manipulating the database, I think, was given just an order: make this look normal, make this go away. And could one person do that, or would this take some sort of algorithm to help bump these numbers up and not make it look like? Hey, you know, Bill went in there and changed everything. Sorry, Bill. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. If you had one genius, um, somebody good at, at math and, and computing, technically one person could handle this entire job. They would, first of all, they would need to know. They would need to know that their job is to bump these numbers up, right? So now you're talking about like somebody with like, you know, um, let's just just say godlike knowledge of everything that's going on and what strings to pull in the puppet who's a genius on many levels with many things not likely this or, is or the converse of that would be the converse of that would be one person telling this this very smart person that hey you need to do this and already that is potentially conspiracy to commit and in whatever crime exactly and this is why we need foias um, but I, I think that it is, it's, we're going to find that it's a number of people, that it took a number of people to do this. And we're going to find that, uh, that, what, you know, whoever decided it needed to be done, uh, is somebody, you know, it, it just has to be somebody very high in responsibility in the CDC or, or the DOD or both, right? Because, Here's the thing. These numbers are supposed to be used this whole time by the CDC. And when we think about it, they were never being published in early 2021, uh, so far as I found. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm in a pool of researchers who have looked at, you know, thousands and thousands of CDC documents. But um, we're pretty sure that they just weren't using the numbers. Um, but they were seeing them. But then when a glitch was introduced in August... So you know, I, I do give I do give credit to the glitch story. I think there was a glitch introduced, intentionally or otherwise. But here's the thing: you're going to tell me that that with vast 
with the Vaccine Safety Task Force supposedly using those numbers that nobody noticed the glitch? You know, like, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it, they just decided to stop looking at the technical information coming in that was supposed to be the technical information to tell them if there was a safety signal. I don't believe it. You know, it, it, it's an absurd story. It just is. So I think that there was a glitch, but it changed the data. So what you're presenting to us is um, one of two things. Either um, there was a glitch and in this fake system or, you know, like that, that whole idea, or there's people just not looking at this database as they're employed to do so and just ignoring all the information, willfully being blind to all this information that's actually out there. Right. Yeah, one way or another, one way or another uh, somebody did change the numbers somehow for some reason. But yes, the, the story of the glitch also requires that somebody was just either not looking at the numbers or willfully ignoring them. I, I said uh, yesterday, actually, I said several times talking with people, and I even said this on Twitter, I said, this is this is the greatest fraud in the history of the world. And... The greatest treason, perhaps. Um, you know, we, we need to know exactly what happened. But I, I believe that that is most likely the case. Unfortunately, the gravity of the situation couldn't be higher. And you know, I, I'm, you know, we're having a calm conversation here. But this is this is where Alex Jones would be going, you know, because this is this is something to. But in reality, this. So so let me kind of explain the gravity to to the listener, the viewer. If, and I've said this before in some other shows, but let's say I'm a, I'm a scout for a platoon and I'm climbing over the hill and I look and I see, oh, okay, I can see over the hill. My platoon can't see over the hill. So I'm supposed to be the eyes and the ears for this, for this war fighting unit. And I look down the hill and I see hundreds of thousands of enemy troops, you know, just they're armed to the teeth and they're, they're ready to kill and destroy anything and everything that comes over and and I'd say to my, my little platoon, i say, hey, guys, yeah, it's good. Yeah, you 50 guys, you'll be great. Don't worry, you'll be fine. You'll take them out. And then they go over the hill, and all of them get absolutely decimated and slaughtered and destroyed. What would you call that scout? Aiding abetting the enemy? Treasonous? They saw. It's not like they didn't see. They did see. They said that there was nothing there. They lied. That is the potential of what's going on here. Because if you take out the, you poke the eyes out of the medical community so that the rest of the medical community, the people that actually do take their oath seriously, they can't see these trends, then you're aiding and abetting the enemy. You're potentially leading the entire force to their death because we can't see what those trends are. To, that's the entire point of the DMED data is to see if there is a medical threat against the troops. So for someone not to have seen these trends whether if all the information was exactly as we thought as whistleblowers or even the information that you're bringing forth and these significant changes that may make the entire database fake, if they didn't see that, then whose side are they working for? What company are they working for? Because there's a company that contracts with the government. Is that correct? I believe it's Unisant um, is, is what I've been told uh, runs the contract. I think that that company should be investigated. I think there should be a congressional investigation starting, you know, starting yesterday. Um, yeah, and what you said, this is important. I should have said this earlier. Um, the Defense Medical Surveillance System and Defense Medical Epidemiological Database, these go hand in hand. Uh, the difference is that uh, the DMED um, is de-identified data. 
So, you know, it's easier to just let, you know, physicians uh, like yourself or other researchers query it. Um, this is used on a daily basis. Uh, every day the military um, at, at the top needs to know troop readiness. So there's no way there's not somebody looking at the numbers. Maybe they usually look at just the, the current, you know, 2021 numbers, uh, or as of last year, 2021. Uh, maybe they're they're primarily looking at that and they're ignoring the 2016 through 2020. But it is it is hard to believe that there wasn't some signal that the numbers were going wrong. Though it may be that the 2016 through 2020, it may be that those five years were changed. There, there's, a, there's a lot of logic to just changing those five years. Maybe you don't alert the people at the highest end of the military because they're only looking at day-to-day -day current numbers. Uh, so maybe you don't alert them. Two, there was a changeover from 2015 to 2016 and ICD codes, which are the code, the medical billing codes, the system changed. So any t any comparison to 2015 and earlier, could somebody could say, well, it's not quite apples to apples. Um, right. So quick little explanation on ICD. There's ICD-9, which is the old way we used to diagnose if, if let's say, you have the flu. I say you have the flu, and it's, I'm just guessing here, it's M35.2. I, I have no idea. Don't. Don't look that up. That's not right. Um, for an example, and then ICD-10 comes out, and now it's it's J15. Again, I I don't know off the top of my head what influenza is, but that's the idea of these ICD-10 codes. And there was a significant change in 2016 where we like changed our entire system, and they were all different numbers, and they added in new diagnoses and removed some old ones. And that is the change that happened in 2016. Right. And so anybody looking for safety signals would just compare 2021 to 2016 through 2020, just so that they don't have to try to make any adjustments to the 2015 number. So 2016 through 2020 makes sense in a lot of ways. It makes sense that they would, you know, sculpt the denominator, not the numerator. The numerator is being looked at every day, and you would have to change those numbers every day, as opposed to changing the 2016 through 2020 just one time and well maybe a second time because the r codes did change a second time so i do think that 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 sort of catches them extra so we have like five or six different ways to look at this and all of them point to the same theory which is that someone changed these numbers for the purpose of hiding vaccine injury and illness so you know that's the story and and um you know we we need to get the word out because we need you know we need to be organizing the lawyers on our side. We need to be organizing uh, FOIAs. We need to be, in, um, you know, I have talked to Senator Ron Johnson's people. Um, you know, we need to be contacting more. Um, I've had people, uh, some of my readers, when I explained what was going on at my um, uh, newsletter, I, I write a newsletter called Rounding the Earth. Some of those people contacted their members of Congress, though I think, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to have as many people as possible saying, yes, I have checked. I've looked at these numbers with my own eyes and this story is real. You know, we can see the snapshots changed. That's irrefutable. Therefore, it is time for an investigation. Which this could potentially go up to some of the highest levels in the military, in the DOD. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> so this could be very uncomfortable for for some very very high high leaders because this kind of power to direct this kind of change i mean unless there's some rogue guy in there i don't even think low level people even have access to this i'll tell you my experience i never heard about 
the DMED database and I had been in the army for eight years. I'm not a public health guy. I was talking to a, a guy who, who worked in public health, not a physician. Uh, hopefully we'll get to hear from, from that man in a few episodes or so, or maybe we've already heard. Um, but he, he had never heard of that database and he works with the people, the same type of people, like in the same office, maybe in a different branch or a different um, arm of that group of people that actually use DMED. Now, luckily there was another doctor that I knew who has a, a strong history in public health and, and was looking into that and was pulling that up. Right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and this is, this is why you could have this done without a lot of people knowing. Um, but you would definitely have to have the people running the database knowing you would definitely have to have, um, uh, I, I suppose it's possible. I suppose it, there's some inkling of possibility that nobody in the DOD knew, but it, it just seems very hard to believe. It, it, you know, it, that would have required, it, it would probably require some sort of um, mediation between the CDC and Unisant, but I, I, I have gr- I have great doubts. Yeah, if it was done by an outside company, let's say Unis, I'm not saying Unisent did this. I'm not saying, but if Unisent were to do it, it would seem like a good way to do it because they would be outside of the FOIA request, wouldn't they? As they're not a executive branch. Yeah, th- and this is a major problem. Like uh, it, it is, it's actually stunning that the DoD ever outsourced this. Right, this is not a technology issue that needed to be handled outside of the military. There's, there are enough technologists in the military to run a database, and I, I boggled my mind to find out that it would go outside. So hopefully, hopefully that doesn't stop any of the FOIAs. This could be some of the most sensitive information that that we have. So yeah, um, you would think that something like this would always be kept with the highest level of security because the idea of troop readiness is itself. Uh, a, you know, a high-level security mission. Um, so hopefully that does not cut out the ability to investigate the problem. Um, one way or another, that you know, if, if the Senate gets involved, you know, they should be able to get anybody's records from anywhere. Hopefully. The uh, the example of the troop readiness being a a very sensitive issue, if, if the listener viewer thinks back to there was a ship, and I can't remember the name of the ship, but there was a, I believe it was an aircraft carrier. And the the captain of that carrier, who's an 06, was concerned that his troops were dying of COVID and becoming very ill of COVID. And he couldn't go through the normal channels to get that information up. And he felt that he was being ignored. And so he went public with that information. He was relieved of command because what he showed the world is that potentially that carrier and maybe even that carrier group was not combat effective. That is the level of, of this DMED data and why it is so sensitive and it should not be outsourced in my opinion. Yeah. So it's, it's layers on layers of problems. It's old problems coming home to roost, but then, um, you know, did somebody, somebody within the DOD commit treason to somebody, running this database you know, was somebody uh, uh, getting a contract with the DOD who was interested in harming the U.S. troops. So, yeah, very scary proposition right there. Interestingly, you know, you brought up that carrier. Um, I remember that story when it happened. Um, 
when you look at the data and uh, see we could uh, check one more of these slides slide 56 that's one of the ones there's several that show this but um, you can see that 2020 was actually a healthy year for the military and in fact I went through years and years of these MSMR reports the snapshots of the database and I couldn't find a year that was healthier than 2020 yeah, and, and people might say, oh, it's because precautions were taken, right? But that argument would be to say that the risks that weren't taken were worth more than COVID was you know, pulling down the health of the troops. In other words, um, when you sign up for the U.S. military, you're accepting that level of risk already. And that COVID was not, was not right, the COVID, COVID was not elevating that level of risk higher than prior years. Like for for the listener to understand a little bit more is that level of risk, like people die in training all the time from accidents, from injuries, from jumping out of, out of planes. Uh, the typical injury rate of, of an airborne operation is about 10% casualty rate. That doesn't mean dead. That means broken leg, twisted ankle, something to that nature, 10%. That's an acceptable, very acceptable um, injury rate, 10%. So if you got 100 people, 10 will be out of the fight. And so COVID, this is showing us that COVID was such a little risk that we quit doing all the dangerous things that we're paid to do to keep you safe. I don't, I don't mean just you, Matthew, but anyone that can hear me say you, that's an American, you, to keep you safe. We do dangerous things to keep you safe. And we lowered the overall injury and disease report so much that was it worth it? Is it worth the hit that the fighting force took just from these man-made restrictions put on us for a disease that may not, well, it's likely not as bad as they say. It had a 99.98.6% survival rate. 99.867% survival rate. And so we quit doing all the things that made us, yeah, for military. That's for military only. That's That's the military population if you take how many became ill how many died and how many recovered and you know what happened with covid cases as the vaccines were rolled out in the military and this is why the the dmed is so important of a database is because the military is such a uniform group um is that the the cases of covid went up in 2021 they were almost twice as numerous as in 2020 and granted 2020 it's not like the pandemic started on day one you know, kind of really got going in March, April. Um, but people say, oh, the, well, the, the vaccines are supposed to bring down the severity of illness. This is where the DMED comes in. If you look at slide 47, this is post-glitch fix information, and now we don't even have to deal with 2016 through 2020. If we just look at um, the severity per case measured by hospitalization rate, you can see that throughout the vaccination program, basically hospitalizations per case of COVID were going up, up, up. They quadrupled through when? July. Why is that important? What happened in August? Well, that was the deadline for the mandates was, was in August. So they were pushing in July, you know, probably lots more people and getting vaccinated in June and July. But they started going up right at the beginning of the year. And you could see them you know, basically just going up, up, up until 
basically the vaccinations were over. Well, as soon as they came out with the information of, hey, we have a vaccine, here's the, the product information list, I began hearing commanders, command sergeant majors, high-level high uh, senior um, service members saying, yeah, it's not mandatory yet. Well, if, if I'm, let's say, a private or a new lieutenant, and I hear, it's not mandatory yet, well, that's the assumption that it will be mandatory, because what happens yet? Well, something eventually happens if it hasn't happened yet. And so what that does is that's undue pressure. And so many people got this, not because there was a mandate, but because there was fear of a mandate coming, and they didn't want to be the last one um, not jumping off the cliff, so to speak. And so I told every single command sergeant major and commander, I said, sir, ma'am, you probably shouldn't say yet because we don't know if these will ever be mandated. And I think that is a lot of undue pressure that you're putting on people by saying the word yet. Right. It's also, it sounds like a Freudian slip as if they know that a mandate is coming. I did not think of that, but yes. They know this unrelenting pressure to get people to get this experimental jab is coming. How would they know that? Yeah, that's interesting. How many uh, how many people do you think you heard that from? Every leader that I talked to. Even physicians. Well, at some point, you know, if you have a certain number of people, especially leadership, you have a certain number of people saying something a certain way. You know, some people without information may start saying it that same way. Right. Um, just, you know, just because it's, it's told them, you know, in a certain way. So it, it may not mean foreknowledge by every single person, but um, that sounds like it came from the leadership. So that's interesting. One thing I, I counseled my soldiers that I would see, because I saw very few soldiers, but I tell them, you know, we keep hearing people say that it's not mandatory yet. If you don't want to get this, because I didn't say get it or don't get it, I said, if you don't want to get it, think about it. What's going to happen if you don't get it? Your name's read on some, you know, PowerPoint Excel or some Excel list on a PowerPoint for some commander. How bad is that? What, what do you have to suffer if you don't get this? Think about that. So far, there's some people that have been kicked out and, you know, I've, I've been suspended, but I haven't been put in jail. No one's held me down and tried to force it in me, which would not work out well for anyone involved. Yeah, and you know what you just said about um, you know commanders already leadership already saying yet that word yet. This is a reason why I do believe that FOIAs will find you know memos, emails, information discussing this within the DoD because it sounds to me like there were people in leadership whose plan was to push this as hard as possible, and those would be people who would have an incentive to hide whether or not there was injury or illness, or if there were some sort of a, you know, larger known, um, you know, set of knowns about the vaccination program and what was going on, then you would have people at that level who would know the safety information coming in. So, yeah, uh, members of Congress, let's get on this. Yeah. Uh, this is all very shocking. Yeah, this is very shocking. So, Call your congressman, call your senators, call call anyone that will listen to get this investigation started. Let's get the ball rolling, especially if you have loved ones, a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, uh, 
that's in the military, this is affecting them. If they got the shot, if they didn't get the shot, it doesn't matter at this point. What matters is, are you going to allow people to put something else into your body from here on out that you don't want? What if it's something you want? What if you, what if you do want a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth shot? Okay, great. What if it's something different? Are you still going to want that? Are you going to want to be responsible for forcing others to do that? These are questions you need to ask yourself. And it, it, with respect to the U.S. military, if it's going to be forced on the U.S. military, um, we might ask, just as you did, who's handling the database? Who's handling the creation of the vaccines? Are those people trustworthy to decide for U.S. troops, for the world's largest, most important military force? Are those people responsible for making that decision for the U.S. military? Right. That that is that is a breach of control at the very least. It is handing control to scientists whose interests may not be the same as yours or ours. And it's interesting you bring that up. There's this idea I've been developing and kind of noodling through, if you will. First of all, we have to ask why, because often we see things and we accept them for what they are. And if you want to be a mover, a shaker and, and look for truth, you have to ask why. And the first question I ask why is if you know, if you understand FOIA and what it applies to, it only applies to the executive branch, does not apply to the judicial branch. It does not apply to the legislative branch. It only applies to the executive branch, does not apply to state level, county level, city. It doesn't apply to any of those, does not apply to any private or publicly traded companies. Now, with that information, why is Pfizer able to have documents FOIA'd? Are these documents that are submitted um, to um, to be... I don't know. I don't know. Those are good questions. But how can any of these documents be FOIA'd if it's a private company or a publicly traded company? And then we look a little deeper into the... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my understanding is, is that um, the Pfizer documents are documents that were presented for review by the FDA for the FDA to make a decision about, like the EUA, for instance. So let's go into this a little deeper. But I don't know exactly why that's under the executive yeah, branch. Yeah, so but if go we ahead. look at when they actually redact things, they, they put a little black box over it or gray box, and they'll often, I think they're required by law, to put a little number letter on it to say why this particular information was redacted. And one of the common... There was one that was recently released, I think, March, and from Pfizer, and it talks about their testing sites, and it talks about testing products, so one of the things that was actually tested. And if you look through there, there's a lot of this B4, Bravo 4, letter B and the number 4, written on top of these. And if you, okay, well, let's go look to Pfizer, let's figure out, let's do the homework, this the simple stuff, and figure out what B, the letter B and 4, what that means when it's redacted through Pfizer. And what it... I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, but basically what it says is it's covering up any particular information that could expose a, a state-of-the-art U.S. weapons system. Now let's take this a little deeper. So we know that um, Fosun Pharmaceutical... I'm sure you've heard of that, but if the listener hasn't, it's a communist Chinese-run pharmaceutical company. 
Fosun Pharmaceutical. Take the time, go look it up. Don't take my word for it. Fosun Pharmaceutical had an agreement, I believe it was in March of 2020, with BioNTech. BioNTech is the company that had a partnership. They're from Germany. They've had a partnership with Pfizer. The government had a deal. I don't know the particulars of this, but they had some deal with Pfizer and BioNTech to make the vaccine. Was the government aware that BioNTech was using Fosun Pharmaceuticals to help do their research? If we look at, I think it's the NDAA of 2006, it says that the U.S. military is not allowed to purchase any weapon systems from communist China. We look at the Barry Act, and the spirit of the Barry Act is nothing that soldiers wear should come from China. So no weapon systems, no shirts, no uh, bulletproof vests, right? And the idea is that if you have a bulletproof vest from China, hey, let's make those not work. And then if you ever get in an issue, a scuffle with, with Americans, hey, don't worry, their body armor is not going to work. That's the idea behind it. There's a potential, I think greater than 1%, maybe not 100%, but maybe greater than 1% risk that a communist Chinese company, which in China, you don't have a company if you're not in with the government, helped develop research, publish and get out this shot, which has the potential to be a bioweapon. To me, sold service members should be completely barred from even being offered this shot from this moment on, let alone coercing them to get it. They shouldn't even be allowed to get it because of the potential for national security is so great because even if one part of what I said was correct, that could be disastrous. But then we take it a step further and we learn about CRISPR and how CRISPR is a gene editing technology. And if you go back and listen to, if the listener go back, goes back to episode nine, where I speculate that there could be CRISPR hidden in this technology, about a week after I did that podcast, I was given a white paper. And that white paper says, yes, there is CRISPR hidden in here. We take that in conjunction with a whistleblower that said, that worked for Pfizer, that said, yes, there's CRISPR in the shot. So now we potentially have a bioweapon developed in part or partially or mostly or doesn't matter, by China, our enemy, put into every service member. And, and just for you, what I'm going to tell you what the clip says is there's this man who he was working for, or he met a woman from China. And when she came to, bless you, when she came to America, she said she cannot get the mRNA um, shot because she won't be allowed to go back to China. They have some test or scan or something. And if it's positive, they'll turn around and not let her enter the country. And so that man of the video I just played, I spoke with him personally to make sure that he wasn't embellishing in these kinds of things. And he said, no, that they have a scan or a test that they can do on her when she goes to China. And if that scan or test is positive, they will turn her around and bar her entry back into her home country. So whatever is in this, they don't want even in their general population. Yeah, that's that's pretty stunning. Um, and, and we should be worrying on that level. Uh, I have worried on the level of some form of shedding. And it, it, I've been in 
in you know every week i mean i'm in discussion groups with scientists um most of them don't still don't believe in shedding um i personally was at a wedding last year in which a number of us who had not been vaccinated um left the wedding sick but with different symptoms like it, it didn't seem like it was a bug that we all got but in particular the the two most you know populous groups at this wedding were firefighters and nurses people who you know are like healthy people who who are constantly around sickness but don't get sick you know it's a very healthy group of people all, all, you know lots of ex-athletes um and uh yeah it, it was it was just it was a strange thing um you know what my wife and i experienced uh we'd never experienced headaches that were not responsive to ibuprofen for five days and that concerned me i still don't know what to make of it I don't know the, the biology, but yesterday uh, I was in a uh, discussion with uh, several biologists and learned something new uh, myself, which when you get one of these shots, um, you know, even just the, uh, the Pfizer shot, which has less mRNA, um, it's like 1.8 trillion mRNA entering your body. And, you know, not all of your cells, like you have more cells than that, but not all of your cells are going to uptake this stuff, right? You wind up with like 10 to 100 of these mRNA jamming into one cell and something it, it, it and because of that there's overcrowding and it's not just making the spike protein which is dangerous enough but what's happening is a lot of these spike proteins are misfolding is what these biologists think and a misfolded protein Misfolded protein can itself result in disease. That's what prion disease is. Uh, you know, it, it very often is, is just, you know, it, it's not even that the protein was bad for your body. It's that the protein was misfolded and then became like a foreign invader. The, that white paper that said there was CRISPR, they, it also said that they could not find an entire whole spike protein. There was pieces of it, maybe to to look like there was some in there, but there was not an entire spike protein. There was also 13 other proteins that they couldn't identify. But they did find gRNA. You go look it up. It's a little gRNA. And that's the targeting protein or the targeting RNA that tells the CRISPR where to go. And those gRNA appeared to target chromosomes 5 and 19. Is there anything specific about 5 and 19? If I'm remembering correctly, one of them has to do with uh, cancers and the other one has to do with neurologic issues like blood cancers and neurologic issues i think it was five is the blood or I may have this reverse and 19 has to do more with neurologic issues alzheimer's okay i was looking up uh, p53 are you familiar with p53 yeah yeah my, my wife's a p53 my wife's a P53 researcher, and so um, she's doing some research right now on what's going on with the mRNA. Um, but uh, I was going to see, but it, it looks like that's on chromosome 17. But you said 5 and 19? I'll, 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 I'll be thinking about that. Interesting. Yeah, send me that paper. I'd appreciate it. It's In the prion disease, again, if the listener can go back and listen to my episode 9, I speculated that from the very, very start. I was like, hey, man, they could hide Kretzfeld Jakob in here, which is mad cow in humans, prion disease. And then a short time later, I found an article written by Bart Clayson. And Bart Clayson lays out how this spike protein can cause prion disease, 
Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. And then this past, about a year ago now, actually, a colleague of mine who who helped me kind of form these thoughts and, and helped me, you know, be the only other doctor that I knew that thought this way, sent me a news article. <clears throat> this is from Alaska of this man who used to live in Alaska and now moved to Tennessee. And he had died of Creutzfeldt-Jakob. There's about 300 cases diagnosed in the entire United States a year. So it's, it's very odd. And so I reached out to the guy who wrote the article. I got emailed back by both of his surviving sons, adult sons. And they said, yes, he, he got their father, was diagnosed and started having symptoms. We started having symptoms a few months after he got Pfizer. And within four months after getting both Pfizer shots, he, was, he had died of Kretzfeld-Jakob, which is a horrible, tragic, awful death. It's, it's terrible. It's for as bad as Alzheimer's is, this is a thousand times worse because not only does it take who you are, but it takes all of your bodily functions away and very, very quickly. That's not proof that this causes this. That's certainly not, but that this should make everyone take pause and go, whoa, is there a trend? There are, there are uh, a number of cases of that popping up in VARES. Um, it's, it's still, you know, it's not a tiny number. It's still what you would call a small number, but they're rolling in. And we know that VAERS is, you know, underreported, you know, it might be, it might be 40 times as many cases. There are probably a few thousand already. Um, and, and it's, it's very unclear as to how long it might take for some of these cases to unfold, right? Because you don't know how much of that, you know, um, uh, you know, too much mRNA in one cell there is and what other systems the human body has to process that. Right to slow it down, um, and it may be different. Yeah, it may be different in different people as far as how the system handles it. And, um, yeah, uh, this this is a very serious issue. Uh, if I could, if I could bring this back to um, to the DMED, and you know, we, we we've kind of walked this through, um, but I'd like to to um, you know bring back to a note of you know what we what we have observed what we've seen you know looking into this database issue is potentially the largest fraud in the history of the world in terms of the liabilities also the potentially the largest treason in the history of the world and we see from a number of angles uh the, the data points to the likelihood of intention so we have a, a changed snapshot, changed snapshots. We have changed database before any of the queries were ever run. So um, you know, let's let's you know propagate the real story as well as we can, so that we have um, you know we need to get some lawyers, we need to get some Congress people looking into this immediately. Right, because this this doesn't affect just me as army guy. This doesn't affect me as an army guy. This affects you, the listener, everyone in the United States, and potentially everyone in the world, because if America becomes unstable, because of, which hopefully it doesn't lead to that level of, of problem, but that is the reality of this. If you start poking out the eyes of the medical community and they can't see the illness that's coming, which is the whole point of DMED, then then you, are you an enemy? You know, not, not you, Matthew, but are, is the person perpetrating this the enemy? Are they foreign? Are they domestic? These are questions that we need to be, we need to have answers for. And as many problems and mistakes as, as we, as we make as a nation, 
you know, of course, which we should always be working to improve, um, we do keep the supply lines of the world safe. There are billions of people whose, you know, food security depends on us operating stably. And, uh, you know, hopefully we do continue to improve, you know, um, make the world more peaceful, um, you know, um, uh, push our resources in, in ways that are positive for the world. But, uh, you know, th th there's no good <laughs> that will come for most people in the world out of a, a catastrophe like this that could be unfolding. So it's time that we find out. Well, Matthew, thank you for sharing this. This uh, is Sam, thanks so much for having me this morning. This is... This is some of the biggest information that that could be brought forward, and I want to thank you for for coming on and talking. If people want to catch you somewhere, where can they find your information? Where can they get more from you? I write uh, at a newsletter called "Rounding the Earth." Um, I, I, yeah, I, I try to keep it uh, with a sense of humor at times, though a lot of the topics are very serious, uh, and uh, you know. I, <laughs> it, it, it's a tough balance sometimes to strike right when you're yeah. talking about issues this serious but um yeah rounding the earth is is my home on the uh the web and i'll put a link and in the description below. a lot of my research there well thank you again matthew thanks thank so you much so just a reminder for everyone out there Duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.